Hey, 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 and welcome to the Mass Effect episode number three, season number two, with a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> hey guys, um, thank you for tuning in again to season two. Um, loving getting back into this and obviously providing the content, um, giving you guys something to listen to locally. And also having some fun ourselves. I must say we are having some fun, which is great. We've got some awesome guests lined up in the next few weeks. <clears throat> the panel's going to be making a comeback as well. So very excited for that. So today is going to be a little bit different. Unfortunately, um, Jed couldn't join us today because of uh, uh, um, a minor medical complication. So very minor, very minor. Very minor. Um, so, so we lost Jed. Is what you're saying. <laughs> we lost him to uh, the Central Coast. Oh, so he's not dead. Okay. No, he's okay. He's okay. Um, but the poor big fellow was, yeah, um, standard procedure and has had a, um, a slight complication. So he has to spend a few days in hospital um, in, in, in the, on the Central Coast, which I can't say. Well, he's not at the beach. So My question is, who looked better in the gown? Out of me and him. Out of you and him. To be honest, his gown, the, the photo he sent me in his gown, it wasn't as fashionable as the blue one that I had. I'm going to need pictures of both of in the gowns. Yep. And we'll put up a poll. Okay, and you'll make the judgment. <clears throat> Who wore it better? Yeah, okay, cool. Well, I, I kind of was, I was actually really disappointed in his gear. So I think, really? I, yeah, I, look, I, I'll be honest, it didn't, it, it looked, it was green. Like, it looked like a prison one. So you feel that um, Dubbo Private has a better gown? Oh, way better. It was blue and it had two spots to do it up. So, you know, you didn't have that, you didn't have any back or butt showing. Oh. So oh, I appreciated it. Mm, mm. Well, yeah. you are all about fashion in the field, so. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get into it. So today, today's episode, what we're going to do is I'm actually going to hand the show and the hosting over to Adam, and Adam is going to do uh, a. All right, he's going to talk about me. So we're going to talk well, about I, my I, life. I'm not going to talk about you. You're going to talk about yourself. Oh yes, yeah, that would make that wouldn't make much sense. But I will it? be doing some speaking about you. And speaking of. <laughs> Wonderful guests that we got lined up this year. We yes. actually have our best guest at the moment, Mr. David Hughes. Oh, is he coming in? Well, he's, uh, he's <laughs> I think I just saw his Ferrari pull off out the front, to be honest. <laughs> oh, so, and sorry I was late this morning, mate. Oh, that's all right, mate. I, did, right. I did leave you waiting. So, um, all right. Well, what we're going to do is I'm going to, so I am going to hand it over to Adam, um, and he is going to, um, I guess, not grill me, but he's going to put me through the ropes. And you guys will find out a little bit more about me, my life, and where I've been up to because. I just had a milestone yesterday. Mm, <clears throat> happy belated birthday for yesterday. Uh, yeah, look, it's uh, I'm 39 and one 366 days. I would say you're 40 and fuckable. <laughs> well, well, uh, well, well. Um, so yeah, the big four zero. So anyway, here's Adam, and uh, let's get into it. All right, Mr. David Hughes, this is your life. Well, did I cue that all right? That was perfect. I, missed, I, I, I hit the bird one first. Well, did you hear that? I like the birds. Yeah. They chirped and that sound has just transported me. <laughs> it's transported me back to your early life, Mr. David William Hughes. And I believe in your early life after graduating from an all-boys Christian <laughs> college at Warrnambool, where you're the ducks of the school, you briefly studied information technology at um, University of Melbourne. And then moved on to accounting. I don't. You don't really strike me as an accountant, David. Um, 
Did you Google Dave Hughes? I did, David, yes. <laughs> now, please, don't interrupt anymore. This is about you. Now, after leaving university, it was seven years before you found work as a stand-up comedian. Maybe a clerical error here, but we'll continue. And you did a variety of jobs working in Abattoir and um, as a, bricklay- a bricklayer's labourer and a shop assistant. Now, um, I, can I interrupt there? I, 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 don't, I, I don't remember any of this. so I, That would be a head injury, David. <laughs> Is there one of them in there as well? We're looking at that head of yours. I'd say there has been a head injury over the years. There's been multiple. Um, you gave up drinking at 22. I've decided it was a bad influence on your life. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, look, look, it is a bad influence, but it's. Did you, I didn't give it up. So your birthday is not the 26th of November, 1970. No, it was yesterday. So that would be the four third of March. <laughs> Correct. Your name's not William. David William Eva, is it? No. Uh, and no. you're also not a keen supporter of the Carlton Football Club? No, I, I much prefer the Sydney Roosters. And you <laughs> haven't met the Dalai Lama? Uh, no, have have <sighs> been around a llama before though, yeah. <sighs> this is terrible. Obviously yep. this is this is obviously the wrong <laughs> David Hughes, so that can... This makes reference to your story yesterday when you posted happy birthday to me with a photo of Dave Hughes. Well, it's not the first time that's happened. You've actually had quite a few run-ins being... Yes. ...tagged uh, as the wrong David Hughes, haven't you? Funny, but he actually... Him and I have actually had some pretty pretty uh, interesting conversations in the old DMs because I... So you've said that he <coughs> slid into your DMs? He did. I think, I, I, think I tagged him in a story once where I'd been tagged in on Instagram... Uh, instead of him, and he mm-hmm. replied and apologised. He said, "I'm sorry uh, for my people annoying your people, or something like that." He's a pretty funny, dude. We well, can see why like, <coughs> confusion would be like yeah. you know, same name, yes. similar similar f- physical attributes. Absolutely, yes, yes. And he he, um, okay. he actually did say that in the in the in the um, in the message. He was like, "Oh, we look very similar." Both huge, huge uh, pop culture icons. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. He, he, he definitely is. But the um, interesting thing was I did make mention of a podcast and I, I said to him, would you come on? Mm. And he just replied with, sure. So I don't really know how to read that. Well, you obviously read it. He said, sure. Yeah, I know. But would I have to go through? So what, what you're saying is we're going to kick Jed and replace him with? Dave Hughes. Dave Hughes. But Could, Would it be Dave Hughes on Dave Hughes? Husey on Husey. Yeah. Or Dave on using, or we would figure something out. That's all that. That would be the dream of many people having two David Hughes. <laughs> all right, let's let's key that arm, um, that sound effect again, and we'll. Do you want that? This is your life one. Let's start okay. it over. I'll from get the it top. Right Here time. we go. Ah, transported. There we go. Oh, we've had. You're right there. <laughs> yeah, mate. Just my can of raisin. I had to catch it with my right hand because the left one doesn't work. And uh, what what delicious flavour of uh, raisin you uh, got there today? Uh, strawberry colada, mate. Look, the coffee just didn't hit the spot this morning, so I'm going to go for an extra 200 milligrams of caffeine. Ooh. Failed, but mass nutrition, dubber. Whew, nice little drop there. Shameless plug. Uh, I love it. I love it myself. <laughs> I've got the uh, my muscle chef protein. We've had 17 grams of uh, protein, three grams of fat, coffee flavoured, hitting the spot this morning. P.S. We're not sponsored. We actually don't make anything out of this. No, no, we just get the drink. <laughs> and if anything, this costs us money because we yeah. had to actually purchase these drinks. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> All right, David. So let's get it started. So you, um, let's let's yep. go back. So you were born in Darlinghurst. Yeah. So I've got an interesting story to tell about that. So um, I really didn't know too much of why I was born in Sydney because my parents, uh, not my parent, but my, my, my mum and my grandparents were from a small town in, called Batlow, uh, which mm-hmm. is. Um, we'll get into that, but amazing apples. 
But mate, yes, apple cider. Mm. Unfortunately, last year almost lost Batlow in the bushfires. In the bushfires, yeah, it was yeah. bad. Um, so basically, I, I had no. I, I just was like, oh, I was born in Sydney. Cool, mm. you know. I used to think, oh, well, that means I can play for City Origin when I'm when I make it in rugby league. But that never happened. Um, so, um, so basically, from there, <clears throat> what happened was uh, I was conceived. I'm not going to tell you where and when, obviously, but I was conceived. <laughs> you have a wonderful mom, memory, don't you? My mum was like 17, so she was quite young. Yep. Um, I believe in those times. Um, basically, I think I was I was born in Sydney because I was going to be given up for adoption. Basically, oh, right. Um, <clears throat> interestingly, I was, which I didn't find out till later in life. Mm-hmm. I was given up for a few weeks, and then my mum decided that she wanted to get me back. Mm-hmm. So she did, um, and so. Pretty rough start, you know. So yeah, <laughs> I was kind of, I was kind of, you want me, you don't want me. Like it's been pretty much the story of my life, oh, really. Well, um, you're very much wanted now, David. So, <laughs> um, so you know, so that was that's. I really didn't find most of that out until um, sort of later in life. So that's that's the reason why I was born in Sydney. Um, and obviously, I was too cute, and Mum didn't want to give me up. So, mm, mm, um, mm. kind of lucky she didn't really. Who knows where I could have been? Always think about that. Actually, always think. Imagine if a I think, mate, what if the Sydney family had a mansion and, like, you know, got an inheritance and all that sort of stuff? Imagine if Phil Gould had have adopted you. What? Yeah, exactly. I could have been Gus's. Yeah. You could have been Dave Gould. See, I hadn't thought of it like that. But See? See? But that, but that does – that. now you've um, added another another <laughs> string to my bow. Um, so, so yeah, so then I lived in a small town in Batlow with my mum and my, uh, uh, my aunties and grandparents, so mm-hmm. – my real dad uh, wasn't really on the scene. Um, to be honest, him and I do communicate a little bit now, but we don't have a lot to do with each other. Mm. Um, so, and it's not <clears throat> its not that I don't want to, it's just that uh, life takes you in different directions. And when you get to yeah. our, our age and stuff, it's hard to try and fit everybody in and get it to is. everybody and all sorts of stuff. It so. is, and, you know, it's... it's, it's it is hard and sometimes life happens. It does, yeah. And, I mean, obviously, when you've got your own family... Mm-hmm. You're living away, stuff like that. So, that, uh-huh. so he still lives in Batlow, actually. So, um, anyway, so I moved to Tumut when I was about four, when my mum uh, sort of hooked up with my stepdad. Yep. Um, so, and then obviously, um, yeah, I, I sort of went did all my schooling in in Tumut, and um, I was about. It's probably about five. I remember having this conversation with my mum and my stepdad, and they're like, "It's time for you to choose a sport," mm. and they said, "You can play footy or footy." And I was like, oh, I guess I'll play footy. So in Tumut, uh, it's it's very much a rugby league dominated town. Yep. Um, like a lot of small communities, it's kind of like, you know, from minor league right through to first grade. So oh, once you get down that whole area down, it's pretty much a cradle of football down there, really. Like, yeah. the, like that Riverina that's from Griffith upwards. Yeah, 100%. It's kind of like there are other sports there and stuff, but but, but it's kind of like, you know, and I was like, yeah, that's that sounds cool. Um, mm-hmm. I got into it. I was a big unit. Um, still are a big unit. Not, f- not big unit as in tall. I was yep. rangy, rangy, very rangy. Yeah. So I remember playing a few games, and once I kind of got the hang of it, because um, I, I do remember twirling my hair in the back line a few times, just staring at the staring into the space. <laughs> um, but once I got the hang of it, being a big rangy kid, I just used to run straight through them. And everyone loves that when you're playing. Yeah, you're a kid, you enjoy. They that, just aren't go you? one pass, two pass. Easy scores. Yeah. One pass, two score, two pass, two pass, off you go. There was one game, I think there's still an article, uh, an old article in the paper. I scored like nine tries or something. Nine tries. Yeah. 
How yeah. many did you convert? Nah, we used to do the old drop kicks in the, oh. in the minor leagues. You had to sit in front, stand in front of the post and do the old drop kick. But everyone, every, whoever scored, I think it was like everyone had to have a kick. Yep. Oh, I don't know. You much of a kicker? I actually actually ended my football career goal kicking. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I can slot them over. Actually, I would love to go and have a little practice. practice that's not, that might be a, I think that'd be a thing we'll do. Yeah, could be a hamstring, but that's okay. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, footy was kind of my thing. It was always... Uh, I love that I was. I looked forward to it every every single um, every single weekend and stuff like that. And at nine, I got the opportunity to play at the State of Origin. Actually, at the State of Origin, yeah, in, at the MCG, at the so, halftime show. Yeah, I remember yeah. I used to bring the kids out for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So we got to play, uh, which was awesome. So it was two teams picked from the Riverina, and um, yeah. we went down and had a weekend, or not a weekend, but usually during the week, and we we played at um, half time, which is pretty cool. I've still got the jersey and everything like that. I kept all that sort of stuff. So, which um, year do you reckon that would have been? Uh, Roughly. Oh, good question. 1990. 1990. It was, so the, it was the 1990 State of Origin, yes. So I'm trying to think which origin. That would have had, that would have had your Greta Gag, Alexanders, your Royce Simmons. Ricky Stewart. Ricky Stewart. I think, yeah, guys like that. It was, it was, it was, it was awesome. And you would have had uh, Wally Lewis. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I think he was still playing. I think in 1990, that might have been close to when Mick O'Connor slid that one from the yeah, sideline, that sort of one. Yeah. The da- old, Dale Shearer. When it was pouring down rain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, Origin was definitely something that um, even now I still love, love the shit out of it. But even that sort of thing, like the feeling you would got as a nine-year-old to be down oh, there doing was, that and around. So, oh, yeah, because we, we got to like, um, when we came back off at halftime, um, they were coming back on. Mm. And, and we got the old high fives off the, the crew. players. Yeah, yeah so then, that was pretty so you, cool. Nine year old being your heroes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That so, would have been. Yeah, that's. And I guess it was kind of like um, it's one of those things. I was like, I want to do this. this I was about to say that would have driven you on that life path even yeah. further. And that's. Yeah, I was like, this is this is what I want to do. So, anyway, then you know, I, I played played a lot of rep footy and juniors and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and just towards the end of sort of high school, um, played rep footy then too. Um, just I don't know, just. Didn't get the opportunities, one. But two, like I've said before, I, 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 was, I was okay, but I just wasn't quick enough. Mm. <clears throat> and even even as a back rower, like second rower, back rower, centre, I was just not fast enough. Just didn't have the pace, um, which is fine. I accepted it. So I played group nine, local footy, played first grade, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that, that was that was sort of good fun. And then, um, you know, it's always... It's always like you. Sometimes you just got to accept your fate. <laughs> you sort of hit that impasse where you go, "Well, I'm not going to make a yeah. career out of this." Yeah, but I'm I'm working as if it is going to yeah. be a career. So you yeah. need to know what where you're going to make your money from. And funnily enough, it's what got me into the gym because when I was about 16, 17, I was like, "Well, I need to train." Mm-hmm. So I, you know, got my bench press out the back in the woodshed and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and started getting into them, looking at magazines and things like that, thinking about you know how. Oh, how do I get that physique and stuff like that? Um, I look back now and realise that I didn't didn't actually think that one through too very well because you don't just train and look like that. It's not how it works. Isn't it amazing? But like you look at the physiques you would have been looking at back then, which would have been you, know, you would have been your Arnold's. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, there was there was quite a few bodybuilders, even even like um, uh, even Ronnie and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Dorian Yates actually Dorian was Yates. Mr. Olympia at the time. Yeah, um, he was a freak. Mm, yeah, so. it was pretty much the high point of bodybuilding would have been back then. And you, mm. you're seeing stuff as a kid, and you're like, oh, if I just do this bench press, I'll look like that. I'll look like that. Yeah, how do they do this? Like, 
Um, but, you know, funnily, funnily enough as well, it was hard in a small town because we didn't really have a gym. Mm. So there wasn't really anywhere you could go. There wasn't really anyone who could mentor you or, or get you, you know, get you on the right path. And even with that saying that, like you're literally looking like this is back in the day, like yep. this would have been, what, mid-90s. Yep, yep. So there's no YouTube. No. There's no Instagram. No. There's a magazine yep. where you have to read the steps. If you're lucky, you might get a, DV, uh, a VHS yeah. and get to watch that. Yeah. You know, very limited and not be able to get the feedback. So you yeah. just, if anything, you would have got yourself in some bad habits back then. Pretty that. much. And like not, not actually understanding the whole side of it. Mm-hmm. We we um, obviously learnt what we learned at school about weight training, but that's yep. never that's never thorough. Yeah. Um, which, you know, kind of leads me into my next thing, which was my, me, me and my schooling. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed school because I really tried to entertain as many people as I possibly could. Um <laughs> Honestly, it was one of those things where <clears throat> I, I I wouldn't say that I I wouldn't say that I was hopeless at school because I, I wasn't. I just didn't care. <laughs> I was about to say you're probably more not challenged by what you were doing oh, at that stage. I think it was more just I don't know. Like I was just oh, this isn't my thing. I don't like books. I don't like I don't like this. I used to like literally skim read mm. our novels in English and then do my assignments and I used to get okay marks too. Mm. But I'd be like, I'm not reading the whole thing. Who wants to read How to Kill a Mockingbird or whatever it was? Like seriously, there's a movie, just watch it. See, that makes sense. You know, I, in saying that, even now, I, I read occasionally but I'm more of an audio books man. It's all about how the media, what sort of plat- media platform hits you really. Yeah. Like myself, I, I enjoy reading but I find that, you know, the... Audio books are yeah, you know, just a better medium at the moment. Absolutely, or podcasts, or yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just starting Matthew McConaughey's one, Green Lights. Yes, and mm-hmm. he voices it. How good is that? Yeah, that's my next book I've got lined up to read. Yeah, I'm actually at the moment I'm I'm actually reading or listening to um, yeah. David Goggins. Oh yes, you uh, can't hurt me. You can't hurt me. I've I've already done that one. That oof. amazing. Hey, um, we should we should do Green Lights. Mm. Get Jed to do green lights and have a bit of a yarn about it. I think we should, yeah. We should have our, uh, be like Oprah's book Book club. club. Yeah, we'll get some red wine. Oh, it'll be a great time. (laughs) A few little cheese rings. (laughs) Maybe some cheese board. I do like a cheese ring. Um, So, yeah, so I wasn't very, um, I I wasn't super into school. Mm -hmm. I just like the sports side of it and stuff like that. So um, when I was about eight, is when I started to see siblings arrive. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I say mm-hmm. it like that, but you know, I love them to death. My so I've got three sisters and a brother. Wow. Um, to my mum and stepdad, and I've got another sister uh, to my real dad on mm-hmm. the other side. So, um, so yeah. So uh, at about when I was about eight, Megan, my sister, was born, and then the basically the the floodgates opened. The floodgates. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I, I say it like that because I, I'll never forget. When my la- final sister was, mum said, oh, you know, I'm pregnant. I think I was like 15 or 16. Yeah. I remember going, are you serious? I was like, what? Anyway, so anyway, anyway, in saying that though, it's, it's you know, would not change that for the world. So I've got the three of them, uh, the three girls, Megan, Lisa and Lauren and my brother Matt in mm-hmm. the middle, or sort of in the middle. Uh, he likes to think he's in the top, but he's in the middle. Um, <laughs> and where do all your siblings reside these days? Um, uh, Megan's here actually. Yep. She's a teacher at Bunning Hill. Um, Lisa's a be- has her own beauty business in Bathurst. Mm-hmm. Lauren's in Bathurst as well. She works in aged care. And my brother is a plasterer and he's in Wagga Wagga. Oh, nice. They've all yeah, stayed so in the same sort of central same sort of, of, region. Yeah, same sort of region. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah. So um, 
got a few nieces now too, nieces and a, and a nephew. Mm-hmm. So um, they're all sort of producing now as well. Producing, that's a nice way to put it, David. <laughs> My kids are like, oh, the cousins on this side are just babies. I can't play with them. I'm like, yeah, well, that's what happens when there's an age gap like, <laughs> like this, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, so um, like I said, school. School was never something I thought would would define or, sort, or, or actually make me who I would become. Mm. Um, I always had this, like, desire of, uh, look, I, I, I hate the word, but I always hustled. Yeah. In kindergarten, I remember selling rubber bands for five cents. <laughs> no shit. I was like selling rubber bands for kids to flick at other kids. And I was uh, at the end of the day, I'd make three bucks or something. You know what I mean? I was so like, was I'd go around the neighborhood and get them off the brochures, you know, <laughs> off the pamphlets. And then I would like bank them up. And then, then I'd be like, oh, five cents or uh, three for 10. So what, the, the thinner ones were cheaper and the uh, thicker ones were yeah. dearer? Sometimes if they got wet, they'd just snap. And they want, people would want refunds. And there was no refund policy? No, I, I, I didn't have... Yeah, because I, I was a big kid, no one wanted a refund. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so obviously you saw there was a um, a market there and you capitalised yeah, on it. Yeah, and then later on I remember um, footy cards was my thing. I used to buy Oof. and sell footy cards. Like I'd buy packets and then make my own packets and then sell off the ones that people didn't have and stuff like that. I had this little hustle going on. It was... Yeah, it was interesting. I always was like, and, and it wasn't even really about the money. It was just more about me, me making, 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 you know, figuring out a concept and being able to go after it. So and this is back in the day when the footy cards used to come with that horrible pink bubble gum. Yes, yes, oh. but I've still I found them not long ago. Actually, I've got some great collections going way really? back. Really? Yeah, some really good ones, like full sets as well. Oh, so you yeah. know. Getting back into the hustling of the uh, footy cards. Well, I don't, I don't know if they're worth anything, to be honest. Like the, they could be. They could be. I have to find out whether there's any special cards, like the Wendell Sailor Silver <laughs> State of Origin card. Is that, does that fetch any money? Or would anyone be interested in actually getting that? Um, so, yeah. So, I was kind of, um, you know, I guess, I don't know. I guess I was entrepreneurial from day one. Mm-hmm. Honestly, believe, and I, I, I truly do think this, I truly do think that, um, entrepreneurs are kind of uh, you, you kind of it's kind of like it's part of you it's like it's it's you, you can see somebody who's entrepreneurial and you can sort of understand that's the direction they're going to go in yeah um, and it's okay it's not for everybody no but it's just you know there are some people that just aren't confined and like to think outside the square a little bit more and obviously um, you know I wanted to pave my own path mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of like well even now I'm responsible like mm. for every day, you know what I mean. So whatever, what I, what it, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, it's it's on me. So it's my responsibility. Do I get paid this week? Do I, you know, like it's, uh, it's I don't know something invigorating about it. <laughs> I suppose you. It's all part of being the master of your own destiny and flying your own ship and all that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And like um, accountability is a big thing. Being mm. being accountable to yourself is often something that most people don't have. That is one thing I was about to touch on there was the accountability and the, um, yep. you know, you've got to get up. Yep. You've got to get up, you've got to work, you've got to do it every day yep. and the buck stops with you. 100% and sometimes, um, you know, you can have a lot, of, a lot of bad days in a row but the, I always tell myself just keep showing up and it's the same as the gym, same as our training, it's the same as everything, just keep going. Well, we, we touched on that David Goggins before, it, I think he talks about the callous mind. Yeah, the callous mind, yep. Which is, I heard that, and it's something, you hear some things that just resonate with you, yep. and that callous mind thing, like, you can either have something happen to you in life and, you know, let it define you in a, yep. in a negative sense, or you can let it um, cause friction and draw upon that, yep. and just know what the callous mind can do, what it can be your... 
yep. inspiration you fuel to get through something. Yep. Which is, you know, obviously what you've done over the years. Yeah, exactly. I I think that like it's uh, similar to something that I remember being told is kind of like another another man's reason is is isn't you know is, is different. One man could have use that thing as their reason mm-hmm. to succeed in life, whereas another man uses it as his negative to sort of have something to complain about for the rest of his life. So yeah, exactly. You know, I had a rough childhood. I had this. I had that. Um, and you know, not saying that that that. that that some things aren't traumatic and you have to experience that and obviously it takes a lot of healing and stuff like that. But there comes a you get to a fork in the road and you're like, which way am I gonna go? Mm. Am I gonna am I gonna let this sort of bury De- me and define me, me? Which I'm gonna talk about a fair few things in my life that I have lost a lot of money. Mm. And when I say a lot of money, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um but you probably wouldn't be able to tell that. But I also appreciate that I lost that money because now I won't lose it again. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so often, most a lot of successful people. I think Donald Trump has been bankrupt like five times, multiple times. Not that I want to talk too much about the Trump stuff. Look, myself, I'm a Trumpster fan. Yeah, same. I, I, um, but um, I, we're not really here to get political on that stage. No, 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 no. That's that's exactly right. I think, um, yeah. I mean, it's just just one of those things, Adam. Like I just had that had that driving me from early on. I remember uh, my first job when I was about fourteen was delivering uh, brochures to the whole of Tumut. So I used to get them on a Friday afternoon, like your Kmart catalogs and all that, <laughs> and I'd fold them all up into into a pile. I'd sit there Friday night and watch the Friday night footy, and I'd fold them all up, and then I'd get up early the next morning on my push bike. I had a, had a mountain bike, which basically, for about six years, I rode that thing straight. Mm-hmm. I used to ride it everywhere. It was my mode of transport. The only way I could get anywhere, the river, the footy training, um, to all that sort of stuff because I had like y- the younger siblings and stuff like I kind of had to do my own thing mm. like you know um, I had no choice I kind of if I wanted to go to footy train I couldn't rely on mum and dad to drop me off because they had the other kids to worry about and stuff like that so I kind of just used to get on my bike and off I'd go which is probably what I attribute my uh, my my nice quads to at the moment <laughs> Well, I, I reckon it's probably ask. from years of like, not nice quads, but my uh, my stronger body part. I guess I said that wrong, but people are <laughs> going to think I love my quads. I'm not Adam McDougal. Oh, look, they are nice quads. <laughs> um, so yeah, so um, you know, I used to used to have to sort of get myself around, and so I'd do the brochure delivery. I'd get up, do the mailboxes one at a time, get chased by a thousand dogs, get swooped by seventy five magpies. It was a real thing, uh, and um, yeah, I did that for probably a good 12, 18 months. I used to, get, you know, get paid for that. So, and that's when I started to understand the value of money. I guess it was yep. like, uh, you know, before just selling footy cards and stuff, I just used to reinvest it back into footy cards. Mm. <laughs> but um, but this sort of started to teach me the value of you know if you receive money what are you going to do with money um and what can you do with it to improve your life or whatever so so yeah so that was interesting and then i did a few other jobs and stuff i pretty much did everything i like I, I can remember my old man used to do my stepdad used to have a side business of mowing lawns and stuff like that um i won't go into it too much but um he and i no longer talk and um he he was a hard man growing yep, up, yep. very very hard man. Um, I look back now, and you know, um, sometimes that hardness was a little too hard, but some of it was good. Some of it was good. Some of it some of it taught me work ethic, and that's the thing that probably drives me now is that I have the ability to self motivate. 
which a lot of people don't have. Well, I was about so. to say what you were taking from that would be would be the opposite of the work ethic. Yeah. And obviously from a young age, you've, you've liked structure. Yep. Um, but even with the negative, like um, him being overtly hard, would also yep. taught you in your later years how not to parent. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things I... I can understand. Um, I understand why he was the way he was. There's some there's some things in his life that um, he probably never really dealt with. So um, some trauma and things. That yeah, yeah. So I understand, and I don't think he really quite knew how to be um, paternal. And from um, another generation, sort of thing as well. Yeah, like. yeah. He just and he just had a different way of doing things. His his way of punishing me would was always, you know, um, it was always very. Very like um, I don't know. It was harsh. Let's just put it that way, you know. So, um, but yeah. So it's one of those things, I guess, where you look back and you're like, oh, well, that kind of shaped me, if anything. So, um, and look, when I say he and I don't talk, um, I have tried, <laughs> but it just hasn't. Uh, it just hasn't eventuated. So, um, at the end of the day, it doesn't. It doesn't really determine how me moving forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I suppose you've just got to take what you can out of it, and um, yeah, you know, you, you pack it away and just yeah. deal with it the way you can, can't you? I'll never forget one time he he said to me it was a Saturday, and he used to do this to me regularly. He'd be like, I'd, I'd have plans, you know, go see my mates or whatever, and he was like, No, nah, you come with me. Yeah, I need you for the day. I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't really have a choice. Yeah, and then he would uh, he chucked me in the ute. And he dropped me off this block of flats and um, he dropped me off with a lawnmower, tank of petrol, a whippersnipper and a bottle of water and he left me there for five, six hours and I mowed the whole joint. It was massive. But that's that's kind of what he was like, if that makes sense. And it wasn't um, – it, it wasn't that I didn't want to help out and do it. It's just the way he went about it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, if that makes sense. And, um, you know, it is what it is now. But like I said, taught me how to work Exactly. So, and I know how to mow a good lawn. You can mow a lawn. <laughs> I have seen some of those lawn photos, and they are very. That edging is um, probably not as good as you and Jed, but Jed's just got weeds. Oh, I'll have I'll have a crack. <laughs> we'll say that natives, but I swear they're just weeds down the back there. Yeah. So, like it was. Yeah. So then, like uh, from there, like I just had other little jobs, and I ended up being a pizza delivery driver and stuff like that, which is like Dougie, the pizza boy. I was. I was in the little old hometown of Tumut. So um, we had a we had a cafe. It was run by Greeks. Yep. And I picked up a job with them. Um, um. You know what? They're amazing people to work for. Yeah. Because they just they they got the most amazing work ethic. They're like mm-hmm. a family who runs a cafe, they all work seven days a week. The mum, the daughter, the son, like that, and they just, they they literally put for three or four years of their life into that cafe, sell it, pay off their mortgages in Sydney, and they're done. They, they sort of move on. Yeah. They just they just do things different to us, don't they? That's um, They do it, it together. That's the difference. The whole family thing. The family, they all work together and they pay each other's houses off. Mm. One house for the first one, another house yeah. for the next one. It's 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 yeah. a smart way of working. Very yeah. different from how absolutely, you know. and they they taught me a lot as well. Um, they were they were great people to work for and stuff. And I kind of I wanted to lead me lead me into this next bit, which is you know I had an English teacher who wasn't a fan. <laughs> Firstly, she she kind of went out of her way to sort of tell the principal that. He th- she thought I had the hots for her, which is totally 
not true. Wasn't your type? No, because, for example, we'd be in the playground, a couple of my mates would wolf whistler and go, oh, Husey. And I'm like, is this teacher really that dumb to think that I would wolf whistle her in the playground? And well, any, anyway, so oh. she was an interesting one. She was, she was my English teacher. She was quite, she used to kick me out of class for not getting my book out of my bag and stuff like that. The only thing about being kicked out of class is when your mum works at the high school and you're standing in the corridor and she walks past... You know you're in trouble when you get home. That'd be the worst part. <laughs> Obviously, she can't beat you at her workplace. But. No, but uh, it was I was always in trouble. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I delivered his pizza one night. Um, I was about sixteen. I was seventeen. I would have been. I would have been on yeah, peas. Yeah. I delivered this pizza, and it was to her. And she was. It was she was having like all. There was a few teachers there, and they were having a party. And she answered the door, and she's like, <laughs> "Well, well, well." And I was like, um, "Hi, I've got your food." And she's like, "I knew you'd amount to nothing." Ooh. She's like, "I knew, I knew you. This is this is the path you'd take. This is where you'd end up." Anyway, I'll never forget because I went and sat back in my car, which was a Datsun one hundred and twenty white at the time, Ooh. yellow baby, baby bird, yellow. I bet you that pulled the chicks, didn't it? Oh, <laughs> pulled nothing. <laughs> um, and um, I went and sat back in the car, and I was pretty upset about it. Um, but that was a defining moment for me because I I remember. Thinking to myself, I'm kind of like, if you tell me I can't do something, mm. that fires me up. So that fired me up a lot and um, <laughs> more fool her right now, huh? Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, it's stuff like that. We'll, we'll, how's, we'll, how's your teacher's salary, mate? <laughs> yeah. You still enjoy your job? But, you know, there's things that really they either define you or they knock you down. Yeah. And, you know, that stage there, you could have taken it either way. Yeah. And obviously you've taken that as, you know, some... Um, some fuel. Yeah, petrol on the fire, mate. Just yeah, exactly. Kind of fired me up. And if no. you're still thinking about it today or still talking about it today, yeah, it yeah. obviously was a defining moment. Yeah. Interestingly, she moved back to Tumut. She moved away. Um, and she moved back to Tumut um, re- last year or a couple of years ago. And my mum said, oh, I guess who's back in town? I said, oh, yeah. And so part of me was tempted to send her an inbox like, mm. and be like, oh, hey, I just wanted to let you know I really appreciated your comments because now I have multiple businesses, <laughs> um, you know, blah, 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 so on and so forth. But um, you know what? Sometimes being the better person means not being that person. Oh, well, so, you know, exactly. like, it, like there's, there's times when you just need to take a breath and not retaliate or not, mm-hmm. you know, because it would have been nice to do that. But realistically, it would have made her feel like shit. And at the end of the day, like, you know, I kinda, I'm kind of grateful she said that to me, to be honest. Exactly, sent you down that road and shaped you the way yeah, it did. Probably exactly. more than she could have in the classroom. 100%. And I just want to clarify, I was not in any way, shape or form attracted to her. Um, so I have no idea where she figured that out. But anyway, it was just, it's one of those things. I think just because the boys joked about it and stuff like that, it just... Made life, made life interesting in year 11 and 12, anyway. Oof. Oof. <laughs> um, so yeah. that then takes us on to you had been finishing up school about yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, um, what, what did you get into there after you obviously... Worked at Home Hardware, mate. Home Hardware. Mate, I love that fucking job. Yeah? Oh, sorry, I swore. Ooh, so uh, when I swear, it means we can both swear now. Yeah, um, I think I've already dropped a couple already. Awesome job, man. Like it, was, it was a local um, Home Hardware store. Mm-hmm. And um, owned by two guys, Mc, yep. um, uh, McDougal and Cruz. It was called McDougal and Cruz. Yeah. Oh, that is a name. And um, so I got the job. Me and a mate who went through school together. He was a really talented basketball player, actually. And um, we both got a job there, and we were both full timers. So 
on literally on peanuts, man. Like mm. I remember that my my pay was three hundred bucks a week, and I was full time. You know. 39 hours a week or whatever but who cares back then he didn't care and um anyway so um we worked on the floor Mm -hmm. and um he and i would just challenge each other every day we'd see who could sell the most someone come in they're like oh i'm just looking for a power tool you should have seen us I've got this one. No, I have. I have no, I've got this one. I've got so this you one. were basically the Wolves of Wall Street, but in the oh, um, in the hardware game. In the hardware game. Now, as the two bosses that own the company, they loved us. Like yep. who wouldn't? They're like, here's these two guys motivated to beat each other every day, and motivated to be it, there on our sales floor. Like hallelujah. They mm. even used to hate it when one of us had a holiday because they knew that week would be down sales because we, we used to hustle that much. And there's not so much that you can do with hardware. Like, how do you upsell paint? But we had a way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somebody comes in looking for a new doorknob. How do you make them purchase the Brasso to go on it? Do you know what I mean? Like See, forward thinking, oh, always forward thinking. There was there was a lot of avenues and stuff, but it, it, it once again, that's where I learned sales, I think. So this would have given you a passion for the sales yeah, as well? Yeah, it fired me up. It was like, this is exciting, something invigorating about selling. So you were, what, probably about 18, 19 at the stage? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was probably, I think I stayed there for a good couple of years, two or three years. Yep. Um yeah, like I said, I love that job. I still, I still talk um, to the wife of uh, one of the owners and stuff. She was lovely. <laughs> she, she kind of was like, the the two bosses were there, and they they kind of ran, they oversaw things in the mm-hmm. office and stuff. But she was always the hands on one. Uh, yeah, but she was the funniest. I never forget she'd um, she'd always have these weird sayings like. Up there for thinking, Dave. Down there for kicking dogs. <laughs> I'll never forget that saying. Like, if you know you did something and it was like a little bit l- lacking common sense, Dave. Yep. Up here's for thinking. Down there's for kicking dogs. <laughs> and she had this other one. She used to say, which stuck to stuck with me as well. You you know the sex on the beach cocktail. Mm-hmm. She used to say, Dave, that's fucking near water. Because it has the two meanings. You know, it could be near, it's fucking near water, sex on the beach. Yep, yep. But it's also fucking near water as is to drink. Exactly. See, it's a Just double. To mess t- with me. Double entendre. <laughs> so yeah, she she was awesome value. So you know, it's funny how you meet people in your life and they they sort of stick around in your head, I guess, or they stick around. Well, I suppose they're defining characters in your life. Yeah, 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 and they're always awesome to look back on. And like I said, she still every now and then flicks me a message and sees how I'm going and stuff like that. So it's always um, it's always helpful, mate. So yeah, and then. So then that, you moved on from there? Yeah, yep. so then, then sales continued. So, so more sales. Yeah, so there was a job going in Tumut, um, which is – so Tumut's kind of like – it'd be like Wellington to Dubbo, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. A little bit further away from Wagga, so it's about an hour. But it was a small community and stuff like that, and then obviously Wagga was the bigger city. has a lovely paper mill. It does. That's – yeah. Massive vi- paper mill. Busy. Busy. Yeah. My stepdad, my stepdad actually works at the sawmill. Really? That's where he spent, yeah, he worked there for about 30, 40 years. So. We, we send about 100 guys down there a year for shutdown. To visit, yeah. They actually run, they have one shutdown a year and they have um, yep. 1,600 guys on site. Wow. It's a Far lot, out. It's a lot of humans. It's a huge mill. It is, but we digress. So you're in, um, you yeah. went to the radio station. Yeah, so the job a job came up in Tumut for a sales rep position in Tumut to basically do the marketing for back then it was it was Star FM and Two WG, which is yeah. like the two major stations in the in the Riverina. And um, I went for the job, interviewed and stuff like that. I was this young, you know, nineteen year old kid, twenty year old kid. And um, anyway, interview went well. I didn't get the job. They gave it to another person who was kind of five years older than me, mm-hmm. etc. But they said, "Look, would you move to Wagga because um, we really like your vibe." Um, 
they didn't say that vibe wasn't a word back then, yep, but yep. they said, you know, they like they like the cut of your jib. Yeah. And um so I was like, Yeah, okay, cool. And they were like, Well, we'll move you into a trainee role mm-hmm. into um into Wagga and then you'll basically learn the ropes of, of the sales team and stuff like that. And then eventually when one of the sales guys leaves, you'll step into their list or their clients and you'll then we'll continue. Smart for them because obviously they had a lot of turnover with staff, you know. So then they would just they'd have me ready to go in the sideline, they'd just move you straight in. Yeah, so it was succession planning. So uh, awesome job too. Like bright eyed and bushy tail, man, off I went. So um moved to Wagga. And yeah, loved every second of it because, like, you think about the radio when you're that age too. Like, you got these, you know, you got your DJs and that on both those mm. stations, and they're so well known. So, you know, you get to see them every day and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. Um, and then, obviously, getting into sales, which is what I love to do, and then just figuring out how to do that. So, I used to just literally door knock, like, so they. But while I didn't have an actual client list to deal with, they'd send me out on the. On, they go, here's a package. You know, we're selling this month. Can you just go, go do it? So here's this 20-year-old kid door knocking, like literally cold calling, which is the absolute scariest thing you can do in sales, like knock on someone's door and say, hey, buddy, look at this, you know Mm. what I mean? But taught me, once again, taught me a heap of stuff, taught me that I have the ability to do that, Mm. um, which means I can talk to anyone. So um, that kind of went on and then, um, yeah, funny, funnily enough, we had this campaign or this thing every year, which used to be a branding thing. So we'd invite all our clients to this branding presentation and it was really well put together. Yep. Clients would be like, wow, we need to do this package. So I had been going and cold calling on all these different clients and I used to, because I had no pressure on me, I used to just drop in and see them, have a yarn, talk about their business, all that sort of stuff, look for opportunities there. If it came up, it came up, it didn't, it didn't. Not without, yeah. So. Yeah, and then this, this package thing came up. So I invited all these clients I'd built this rapport with and um, – I think I signed 30 packages. Wow. I actually created my own client list. So this 21-year-old, 20, 21-year-old kid now. Trainee. Yeah. yeah. And, and my boss was like, um, what? <laughs> he was like, okay. So, you know, and I was like, well, sales is relationships. And honestly, so, and it's, a bit, it's the same as what we said before. It's about turning up. So, mm. you know, the local tyre shop, he doesn't want to see me every week. But if I drop in there once every couple of weeks and I talk to him about what he's doing, have a yarn, don't sell him nothing, walk out, you know, we're all good. I had the time to do that. Um, it set me up because then he, he built rapport. So then when I asked him to come along to this thing, I'm like, mate, can you do me a favour and just come along? I need to get some numbers there, mm. you know. And, um, yeah, that's how – and then it kind of went from there. And then I started getting commissions and I was like, hang on a minute. The more I sell, the more money I make. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, this is awesome!" So it was really, really good, and that's where that's where I met um, a guy by the name of Mark Bishop. He was my sales manager, and he is still today a major mentor for me. So um, he was a he was a bodybuilder. So this is where the bodybuilding starts. Yeah. So before this, you're just. 40, 40, 40. 40, 40, 40. Yeah, a bit of weight training, a bit probably, of gym. Probably a bit of gym bro-ish. Yeah, a bit of gym. And he was like... No real direction? Yeah, no, no real direction. Just just kind of went and did bench press so I could tackle people and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So at this stage, I'd, I'd signed him. I was playing with uh, uh, Wagga Magpies in Wagga. Yep. So I was actually playing against Tumit, which doesn't always go that well. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, so look, it was, um, and and obviously, yeah, he he was a bodybuilder. I seen him prepping for a show once, and I thought this is really cool. Like, yeah, not cool that he's like cranky and angry all the time, but cool that, uh, cool that you know the process, how the process works, and and everything like that. So he kind of was like, um, he got me into bodybuilding. But not only that, I'll never forget the first time he, when I started making commission, he called me into the office one day. This is the sort of bloke he was. He was a good bloke, and he sat me down. And he said, "I want you to read this." And he gave me The Richest Man in Babylon. Have you ever read that? Yeah. Great book. Wonderful. So it talks about, you know, investing 10% of your income. And it goes back to the ancient city of Babylon yep. and how that, how they used to do things. First book I ever read as, a, as in the, in the, um, in the self-development line. Yep. And then he just used to feed me one book after the other. And he kept saying to me, um, you know, you're a young guy, you're making decent money now, you need to start thinking about investing. So he kind of, not only was he a mentor in regards to bodybuilding and the direction I was going in with that, but he also was helping me on the other side of the coin as well. So still grateful today, still texts me on my birthday every year, still checks in with me when I'm competing in bodybuilding comps, stuff like that. Still a guy that I admire and look up to immensely. He has his own business now, which he does really well with. Um, so really, this um, Mark sort of stepped into becoming a, a father figure for you he in did. some ways. He did. He did. Yeah. Um, to be honest, it was it it was very very much like that. I I've had a couple of good male influences in my life, and um, he's definitely one of the major ones. My grandfather was the other, mm-hmm. um, who you know, even though um, he wasn't, well, I didn't. There were times when me and my grandfather didn't see each other for, for big periods, but he was always at my footy games. He was always the one that I spent time with and stuff like that. I remember my nan passed away when I was about nine or ten, um, and he was on his own, and I used to go spend the weekends with him mm-hmm. um, just to you know be sort of in his presence, and obviously he was going through a tough time and stuff yeah. like that. And I think that kind of bonded us. Um, I lost him when I was 16 uh, wow. to pancreatic cancer, which is pretty rough. Yeah. Um, I have his final words tattooed on my chest, which I'm sure people have seen me talk about before, which is be all you can be. So he was um, he was a massive influence on my life and I, I kind of wanted to talk about him and that kind of, that's why I, I, I diverse a bit, but I needed to make sure that um, my life, any any story about me talking mm. about me me and my life, he needs to be a part of it. So he was, the, he was the grandfather that would come home from a big hard day's work on the, he worked on the forestry, so. Yep. And I was his kid and I'd be like, Let's play cricket. Never once did he ever say no. no. Not so once. Again, just this um, yeah. role model, yeah. work ethic. 100%, yeah. And just, yeah. And, and gave you that family. And of. just a funny guy, like an overall funny guy. Like he was a, he was a humorous bloke who, who people loved to be around and stuff mm. like that. And I think probably, if anything, I'd like to model myself on who he was in regards to, um, you know, how he treated people and things like that. Um, loved a beer, though. Love to be <laughs> like the old twoies, the old twoies new or the twoies cans, the old white that. cans, twoies draft the or twoies whatever. Draft. Oh yeah, white cans, smashed them. In fact, I probably, um, you know, I probably earned quite a decent income crushing his cans and taking him to the aluminium place. <laughs> so he was supporting me in more ways than more one. than he knew, more than he knew. <laughs> but yeah, I'll never forget. I lost him when I was sixteen. It was New Year's Eve. Um, I was in Year Ten at school, um, and. Uh, I got a message from mum saying, look, you know, well, she didn't get a message because we didn't have phones yeah, back then. she got she a message to you. To me and said, look, you know, he wants to see you. Um, he was in a bad way. Mm. I was trying not to remember him how he looked then because yeah. it was pretty rough. Um, but, yeah, we had a very, very, probably a three or four minute conversation and that those words were something that stick stick by me and hence why I've got them on my skin. 
um, because there are times when I look back and I think, well, you know, um, it, mean, it mean, means so much. It means for me to be all I possibly can be. So mm. it just means that, you know, give my all to everything that I possibly can, whether that's my relationships, my my friendships, my business, my bodybuilding, whatever, my children. Like it's just about giving everyone as much as you can. Well, those last words have really propelled you and oh, the way you are, man, he, he'd be very proud of you. Well, thank you, sir. <laughs> for some things. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So getting back to Mark real quickly. Yeah. In the bodybuilding, what was it that really drew you into the bodybuilding? That, you know, this is my thing. I'll be, I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I was very insecure. Yep. Um, I was, I, was, I, was, I was a confident kid on the outside, and I probably still am to a certain mm. degree. I look like this confident bloke who's, who's you, know, um, you know, can do, do many things and stuff like that, but I was pretty insecure. I think, I think the relationship with my stepdad kind of yep. didn't help that because I was never quite enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, didn't have that paternal love there and stuff like that. So I think I was kind of always chasing. I, I have this thing where I guess it's like, the word validation. Yeah. And this gets deep, but I think sometimes, you know, I was seeking, and even sometimes now I do it. Oh, we still do now. I seek that validation. And, and to me, that's it's because I'd never quite had it mm. when, I, when I was younger. So I, I kind of chase after it. And I think that, like, unfortunately, yes, it's probably continued into my adult life. Not so much as much now, but it does pop its head up sometimes. Yep. But I was definitely insecure, so I just I was a skinny guy who wanted to wanted to be a bodybuilder, and then I went through this stage where I put on weight and stuff like that, and I was kind of chubby, and I was like, I want to, you know. So I just enjoyed. It. I just enjoyed going to the gym after work, and I and I thought this is this is cool. And I'll be honest, back then bodybuilding wasn't a thing no it wasn't what it is now no. it wasn't i say i did it before the cool kids did it so <laughs> and it wouldn't have been as, as accessible as it is now no no you didn't have like you didn't have access to people online and all that mm. sort of stuff the fitness industry wasn't big it was it was minor it was little yeah. it was like there weren't supplement stores in small towns there. No. if you wanted to buy a protein powder you had to go on old vitamin king's website or or you know probably wasn't even websites so no. going mail order yeah mail order <laughs> call them up and put it in or whatever yeah. you used to look in the magazine or what you wanted yep. and you call them up and you know you know what you're ordering yeah yeah you That'd just be kind good. of be like oh that that sounds good my mate said that would be good or I'm, you know yeah exactly but um i just love the gym and then i love the changes and i seen him go through bodybuilding and i was like wow you get in that kind of condition that was that's freaky like and you know like it comes down to the point like who doesn't want to be the biggest guy in the room sort of thing yeah get, yeah and I, I saw a quote once it was the the day you really start lifting yep. is the day you'll always feel small mm. that is so true mm. we're never happy yeah never happy and even like it, it, it you always got some form of body dysmorphia even today if somebody says to you and you'd be the same somebody says whoa geez you're a big guy or mm. wow you're looking good man it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. Yep. There's sort of like a way because there's a real there is an art to taking a compliment, mm. and unfortunately for most of us, we don't know how to do that. So it's one of those things, isn't it? it doesn't really matter how many times somebody tells you, "Oh, you you look good," blah blah. blah. You've got to own it yourself. You actually yep. have to believe that yourself, and you'd yep. be the same with your your training oh, and well, stuff. You hit that point where you know you, you, you know, today's milestones and tomorrow's expectations. Yeah. You'll hit a point where you're like, you know, you want to lift this or you want to hit that point, yeah. and you're like. Oh, always continually pushing forward same as with you know with your body like yep. with bodybuilding it's you know it, it is something you've always you're never where you want to be yeah absolutely I, I think it's just like it's the ultimate chase of it's all it's like chasing perfection that you'll never be able to get 
Exactly. Like yeah. Mr. Olympia, like Phil Heath has won seven or eight in a row. Do you think he looks in the mirror and he's happy with what he sees? No, surely not. <laughs> and even it's, we touched on how um you know like media and or well, even you know like um social media wasn't around back then. Yeah. Um, Thank God. But if it was, imagine if it was like because you see oh. people now who are you know not Mr. Olympians and look at them and go they are absolute freaks. Absolutely. Like you just like there's a platform now for people to not even do sport exactly just to be Instagram. Yeah. Um, you know, guys that don't even really do that well on the bodybuilding stage, but they got massive followings because of their mm-hmm. content they put out in regard to fitness and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I just think that, like, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, you would have been the same. I'm grateful that my later years in high school, there were no phones, oh. and there was no, there was no Facebook or social media. If you wanted, back in the day, mate, you wanted to see your mate, you jumped on your pushy, you rode seventeen blocks to his house, knocked on his door, and his mum told you he's gone down the river. You'd be like, oh. you'd ride down the river going looking for him. You'd spend half the day trying to find your mate. Exactly. You couldn't just ring him up or send him a text message or whatever, you know, and you just had to be home by the time the street lights came on. I'll tell you what, but it would have made it a lot easier trying to uh, talk to a girl, but... Oh, wouldn't it? Do you remember back in the day where you'd have to get a number out of the phone book? <laughs> oh, and, and then call the mum. And you'd ring and the heart would be pounding. Be oh, and the mum would answer. You're like, is uh, Sally there? Or you'd just hang up. Yeah. And then you leave your phone off the hook. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, mate, that's, yeah, no. Nah. But the thing is, too, like your parents actually got, could be in the kitchen and you're on the home phone <laughs> and they can fucking listen in to everything you're saying. You, you, like, not that, you know, you were at the, in the position where you were doing naughty phone talk. Oh, but even but saying a girl's name in front of people would be, you know, like, <laughs> Sally. Yeah, I mean, it was it was different, wasn't it? It was oh, different. Mate. Now, mate, you can't even imagine. No. Um, I'm scared. We've both got daughters. Oh, I'm scared. Exactly. I'm slightly scared. So I won't lie. We've, we've uh, just branched in the, um, yep. into that part. So you've got the two kids. You've got Rusty and Edie. Yeah, yeah. So my two little gems. Um, so Rusty's 13, um, diagnosed ASD, Asperger's on the spectrum. Best little kid ever. Yep. Um, second or equally best kid. Mm. Um, so different personality. My daughter Edie, who's um, 10 and she's into everything that she possibly can be into competitively wise. Um, she obviously gets that competitive streak from yourself. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, 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 I think she's, yes, and, and I think she's a very much her own person as well. She's mm. she's a, just a, a pleasure. Like, she's a teacher's. You know, she always does her work. She's always she always puts her effort into everything, um, which is something that you know I didn't do because mm-hmm. school wasn't my thing. So, mm-hmm. um, whereas Rusty's kind of more like me, he answers the two math questions that are required from him, <laughs> uh, and he moves on to whatever he would like to do. Um, <laughs> but in saying that, great both great personalities. Also, am so blessed now. I have a I have a, a third um, little girl as well. So, um, Addie, who's, um, five. So she's my partner's daughter. So I'm a stepdaddy as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, between the three of them, it makes a very good family. I, I like, I, there's never a dull moment. No, mate, that's, that's a fantastic. And it, <laughs> it is a, a great unit you've got, and you've got a, a very amazing partner, very supportive partner as well. I do. Absolutely. So, um, Bree and I have been together probably going on 18 months now and, um, We've, um, you know, we've lived together for almost that, uh, well, probably over just over a year now. So, um, but yeah, look, we're both on the same page. We both have um, similar aspirations. She's a hard worker. She's um, she's worked her way up in her job. Mm-hmm. Um, she's actually now in a qu- quite a high substantial role. Well, she's the well, you can't go any higher than Dubbo. So she's yeah. at, at the top of her her pinnacle. So. Um, 
you know, I find that hugely attractive in a female. Are you guys um, just one of those couples that just makes sense? <laughs> yeah, I think so too. And she keeps me on my toes. Um, she's very good at giving me a, a, a rough run on my birthday on her story. She always pulls out the good ones. She fell asleep last night on the lounge and she started snoring. And I pulled out my phone to get a video because I wanted to save it up for her birthday. birthday. She woke up. Just as I was about to hit record, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Oh, mm. no, nothing. Just like you know, just um, about to text another girl." Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> probably would have been easier to say that. Um, but yeah, so I'm truly blessed, and and you know, um, I don't know, like different chapters in our life and stuff like that. I'm not with Rusty and Eddie's mum anymore, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but um, I'm blessed, so blessed that I found my soulmate, I guess, in in, in Bree. So which can be rough, and you know, it's. It's it's not an easy thing to do. It's a hard thing to no. go through. But yeah, yeah. Sometimes you think as well, like when when a relationship ends, you you kind of wonder whether you, you know you go into a lot of different areas where you blame yourself for a lot of things, and you you. But you have to understand that um, these things are for these things happen for a reason, exactly. and people come into your life for a reason. And you know the things that I have now, um, they're the reasons. They're the things. That I, uh, they're why I spring out of bed every morning. Exactly. Like it's 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 important, and yeah, you know, I'm I'm truly blessed with the family I have, and the love that I have in that family. So, um, I definitely am grateful. And um, you know, Bree Bree herself has some pretty huge aspirations in in her uh, bodybuilding endeavors. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got her comp coming up in July, so she's working hard towards that. And um, absolutely, curious. I don't want to I don't want to preempt this, but she will be a pro. Yeah, she will be a pro. Um, in the WBFF, I have no doubts about that. Just a matter of the timing and and you know and how it works. This could be the show. Um, no pressure, but there is there just there just is no other alternative for her. Like I just I just truly believe in her that much. But also just the fact that um, she 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 has the ability to do that. I can see it every day. She's like got it's the drive. Just, she's oh, got the work ethic, mate. Yeah, hundred percent. She has those predetermined genes. Yeah. Yeah, so she's 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 heading in that direction, whether any of us like it or not. So, so what you're saying is, yeah, should we could be knocking Rachel Dillon off and having body, Mate, bodies by Brie, bodies by Brie. There you go. And then I'll probably first. be I'll probably be the one writing the plans. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. I um, you know, I accept the fact that my bodybuilding career is it's been fun, but I, I have no aspirations to be professional. Um, it's not. I, I don't. I don't have the time um, in regards to now being 40 and stuff like that to, mm. to achieve that. So, and for me, I'm not I, like Bree's the same. She's not just a bodybuilder, but I have so many other, other cool things in my life that like, for me, it's just a, I love doing it. I love being in shape and stuff like that, but it's not, I'm not going to be defined by a pro card or something like that. Whereas for her, I just feel like she's younger and she's determined and she, she definitely has the future. Um, or the world world's at her feet in regards to that. So, and she's such a, so influential to, to other people. Like she's the one that you know, motivates and inspires me. But she's also the one that motivates and inspires other women mm. who were overweight and well, had children. That's where Bree's come from. Yeah, she she hasn't always had this body. Absolutely. So it's like she gives people the a reason to look in the mirror and go, I want to make that change too. Mm. So that's pretty special. Now, so, I, I don't think you should be exactly be calling a day on your own um, bodybuilding career, Dave. I think there's still a little bit of sun <laughs> left up in the uh, sky. Mate, I, I, I hope so. Um, I think the thing about you, buddy, is which you don't always talk about, is that you're more than just a bodybuilder. Yeah. You know, you've had you know, a career playing you know, sports. Yep. You've done the bodybuilding part. You've yep. done you know, nutrition. 
all that sort of thing. You've done the powerlifting yep. side. You're yep. multifaceted. You, if anything, somewhat of a renaissance man. A renaissance man. <laughs> I like that. That's a that's a that's a cool statement. The uh, um, now I mean, yeah. while we're talking about the end of your bodybuilding career, how about we bounce back to your your first bodybuilding comp? I was in Dubbo. In Dubbo. So I was in Wagga, and the first show was here. The, 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 uh, Ken and Elaine used to put on this show here in Dubbo. Um, I think Ken, unfortunately, has passed away. Yep. Um, they used to put on the, the Dubbo show. In actual fact, I think Lee Priest competed at it one year. Yeah, I believe he did too. They, I remember they used to have the posters up yeah. there in the RSL. Yeah, so um, so I did that. was my first show. I think I was 21, so I did the juniors. Mm-hmm. I, think I, I think I played second. Um, but that was kind of when – that was the first time the Orange Tan went on. And um, – and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I used to do – I did a bodybuilding show and then that was kind of like – it would be on like February or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I'd roll straight into footy season. Yeah. I'd always be fighting fit at the start of the year because I'd be like lean and mean. And then by mid-year I'd be on the beers and uh, – So you'd start out at the centres and you'd end up back in front the uh, front row. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. It was kind of <laughs> how it always went. Then I had plenty of gaps in between where I didn't compete every year. I had big gaps, you know, three, four years here, three, four years there. Mm. Um and then, yeah, sort of, you know, um, I guess it was one of those things where it was just like I'd do it if I had the time or if I had the ability to do it. So, But realistically and bodybuilding, you can't do it like that because you're not no. going to get any better. No. You kind of need to be committed to the cause. Yeah, exactly. So, if anything, you were probably, you know, 10, 10, 15 years too early. Yeah, too early. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's okay though. Like I still love it now, but I still say to people, I was doing it before it was cool, man. I was doing it before it was cool. Oh, the original OG. <laughs> now there's a bit of a story about a laptop also, I believe. Oh yeah. So um, we stayed, We all, all these bodybuilders, we stayed in this house over West Dubbo and um, I had my laptop, just bought it actually. I was... Because I bought it for the radio station work. I was like, oh, I got my first laptop, you know. Big fucking boat anchor. Thought I was cool as hell. Mm. Used to put DVDs in it and watch DVDs on it and stuff like that. So I put a DVD in it and was watching it on the way up here because I travelled up with Mark at the time and because he was coaching me. And, um, you know, we're all asleep the night before the show and we woke up in the morning and we'd been fleeced. Oh, really? No shit. Like, there was <laughs> literally a guy sleeping in the lounge room and then there was, like, four bedrooms and we're all in each bedroom. And some motherfucker broke in. And took and, your laptop. And fleeced my laptop and a few other things and took some some guy's watch. And, while we're all asleep, like there's like like I said, there's like six, seven bodybuilders in this house. And anyway, it was gone. Did, gone. did he also steal your DVDs? Um, He did. I lost. I can't remember which one it was. I, I, think, I, I believe think it was, it was Gladiator. I no, don't fucking lie. It was Legally Blonde. No, it wasn't. It was Debbie <laughs> does. No. Um, <laughs> um, Debbie does Dallas. So okay, so then, um, so you've been in W, you've done this bodybuilding yep. thing, yeah. So, um, how many years were you in the radio sales for? About six, seven. Yeah, yep. yep. Yeah. Then a uh, mate of mine was like, I was kind of over it by then. Yeah. The, I loved working there, but office offices can get quite toxic. Yeah. Um, people are very negative, and the attitudes of people and stuff like that. I, I kind of felt like it wasn't my space anymore. And you'd probably hit your ceiling. Yeah. In that, in that location. Yeah. And sort I was just, thing. I was just over. I was kind of at the point where I was like, oh. Where am I going to go with this unless, exactly. I, unless I end up in a management role and stuff like that? But it's the same thing. So, same thing. So I went and laboured for a mate, yep. a bricklayer. So you, Bricky's labourer? Yeah, no See, shit. I, I know. In my introduction, I said you were a brick labourer. I know, Bricky's you did. Labor. See? I was. I got I was. one part right. I um. So that's another connection you and David Hughes has. There yeah. we go, perfect. You are the same person. And we're both. I've never actually seen you both in the same room <laughs> at the same time. Probably never will, mate. Um, yeah, so Bricky's Labour, so I just dived into that. Was I any good at it? No. Um, you weren't a good Bricky's Labour? Did I enjoy going out and buying tradie clothes? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. How, 
How many um, selfies did you take in the tradies clothes? Nah, no selfies, but I just used to, I went out and got the cargo kind of ones, you know, yeah. like the ones you're wearing yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I was like trying to be like all cool and shit. Um, but yeah, my mate, my mate Mick, he's one of my best mates and he's um, he's a brickie and a stonemason. So yeah. end up doing a bit of work for him. Um, and we used to do paving and stuff like that. I used to kind of like help get the jobs and like sort of help. <laughs> but he was, a, he was a hard man to work for. In fact, he was that hard that I knocked him out one day. You knocked him out? Mm. Yeah. We're doing a job at a school. Um, you know, they're like three hundred mil millimeter blocks, like yep. Vesa blocks, and we're, so he's laying them. I'm providing the mud. Oh, I remember it was mud, mud. Where's my fucking mud? And I'm like, oh, you're trying to rush around. That's just how brickies are. Yeah. Anyway, um, he oh, he said tidy up that area over there, like you know. So I started throwing these broken blocks and cut blocks over in this pile, so then we could get rid of them and stuff like that. Anyway, he was shooting off. Off the scaffold, up, cutting, doing his own cuts, going back, blah, blah, and he kept doing this anyway. Next thing you know, I'm cleaning up these blocks and then one of them went up in the air and templed him Ooh. as he walked past. And he went down like a bag of poop. <laughs> and um, anyway, he was already come good after a few seconds and he wasn't he wasn't happy about it, but it's a good story. So can you say this was the end of your... Yeah, it, your was, yeah, it was kind of got to the point where I was like, oh, I've had enough. So he was... Um, we still we laugh about it still. I was like, mate, you're an asshole, so I can't urge you. <laughs> He's like, you could have at least done it with your fist. I was like, no, nah, I would have been. It wasn't anywhere near as fun. So yeah, so that was it. And then, mate, I, then I had a rough run. I had three jobs. I got fired from. Really? No shit. I think we all go through those stages. Oh, it does knock you butt. Mate, I started to think, is this fuck is I'm wrong with me? Like, what the hell? So, um, the first one was I ran thirty car rentals. Ooh. Yeah, so that's pretty close to being a used car salesman. Pretty close, yeah. Just to hire out cars, which is pretty cool. I used to drive all the cars and stuff too. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, apparently I wasn't doing good enough, so he <laughs> privately owned. He just gave me the albudo. And where was that at? Um, in Wagga, yeah, oh. in Wagga. And then I went to um, I went, went to a recruitment agency. Um, I see. I can see you working in that. That, that would yeah, make sense. Yeah, except it was it was so boring. Like it was just not fun. And then I was kind of just like stuck in this office and was like, uh, anyway. Um, they decided to let that that part of their, their their business go. So, what recruitment agency was that? Shoreway. Shoreway. Wow. So, I was working for Shoreway, yep. which is which is job placement and stuff mm. like that. But they had a little recruitment agency that they tried to get going, which is basically pro, you know getting jobs for private yeah. enterprise yep. and stuff like that. So that's what I was doing. Um, but they made that that area of their business redundant, so mm-hmm. I, got, I ended up getting um, made redundant and left, and I got a job at a gym. Mm-hmm. The gym I used to train at, actually. Funnily enough, a gym that Mark, my mentor, purchased <laughs> later on in life. He bought that gym. Um, but I was working there and they wanted me to do sales. So yep. sell memberships because mm-hmm. I obviously had a background in sales, which exactly. is fine. Except the owner had a way of selling and he wanted me to do it his way. And That's not going to work. He was just – he was a good guy, but he was just – he used to listen to every person that walked in and how I spoke to him. Then he pulled me in, pulled me into the room and be like, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. Mm. Um, so I was just like, oh, okay, right. But anyway, in the end, he ended up letting me go. And I think it was more the fact that they were paying me to do a, to do a certain role, but they probably figured they could do it themselves. It wasn't that I was underperforming or anything like that. Just, I remember he sat me down and he passed me a piece of paper. He goes, oh, here, Dave. And on it, it said, your, your, your employment is, has been terminated. And I was like, you couldn't even say it to me. Yeah. Anyway, I was pretty shattered after that. Um, but that got me into the role at Coke. Oh, look, mate, we've all been fired. <laughs> You've been fired? Mate, I've been fired a bunch of times. Yeah? It, yeah, yeah. It's, I don't uh, reckon you're having a go. 
if you don't get fired. Exactly. I mean, um, maybe you weren't having a go. I, I don't know. I think well, I got fired uh, once. I've only been fired once and made redundant a couple of times. Yeah. It, it builds character. It does. It does play on the rejection and the insecurities yeah. that you do have. Yeah. It can, it can, but it can also, like, again, callous the mind. 100%. That's the callous the mind is the thing, you know. We callous our hands every day. Exactly, gym. exactly. So you um, just got to draw on it. So oh. then, so now you're a coke rep. Yeah, so I got a job as a coke rep. Oof, another well, sick job. So oh, hold on a sec, like, like um, can't beat the feeling or Pablo Escobar. Uh, can't beat the feeling. Right, okay. Summer, a little, little from <laughs> column A, a little from column B. Actually, I just finished watching the um the series with Pablo. Yeah, I mean, I had to get into it. Too many subtitles, too many what jeans. You couldn't do it. I, I will. Bree and I have this thing with the jeans. We told you this. Yeah. Every time we go out in public and we see somebody wearing the old cut Levi's, we're like, they got the Pablo jeans on. It's quite a humorous thing. You have to be there. It's a bit of a personal joke because now jeans are much more fitted. Much more. Much more fitted. Um, yeah. So got a job with as a local Coca, like Coca Cola rep in Wagga. So had a car. They give you a car, a laptop, all that sort of stuff, and you go out and look after your clients. And used to, the best thing about the Coke job, you used to get four cases a month of drinkers. Mm. Four cases a month. That's a lot of Coke. So I was a no-sugar drinker, so I've mm. always been a no-sugar drink with, with bodybuilding. Um, but I used to get that, and then, yeah, it was a good job. I really enjoyed the sales aspect of it. Once again, learn a lot more um, in that role because they had huge KPIs you had to chase after. And mm-hmm. me, in my competitive nature, I loved it because it, the harder you work, the more money you made, bonuses and all that sort of stuff. So, yep. um, yeah, they were good to work for. They were really good to work for. Just um, the only reason I left is because of, you know another opportunity presented itself. But um, who knows? I could have been still there today. <laughs> you could be Mr. Coke, <laughs> Mr. Coke. Um, and actual fact, the job is the job actually gets in your veins. It's weird. It's yeah. very strange. It's almost like they create. You know, there was a guy working with us who'd been with us for, he'd been working with Coke for 10, 15 years and he literally was like the Nazi. He'd walk into a going, why you have Pepsi Max in the fridge, bro? <laughs> um, because it sells. No, it's our shelf. You need to give the space. I, I'm, I don't know why I'm talking Colombian. I think it's just you got me on yeah, the- Under the whole uh, narco thing. thing. Yeah. So anyway, but he was like the cartel of Coca-Cola. He was crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, so- Look, from there, I met a guy who was entrepreneurial. He was he was probably in his thirties, and he had a um, quite a bit of real estate and stuff like that. And he offered me a an a concept, which is to um, take on the Juni Hospital, mm-hmm. turn it into a motel restaurant function center, and have my own business. So I packed up and moved to Juni to do that. Sold my house at the time mm-hmm. um, to do that. So financially, you know, started pouring money into this hospital. Which was kind of silly because I had no agreement with this guy, mm-hmm. so I recarpeted, was painting, doing all these sort of things. So, and uh, anyway, it turns out um, it, I, I was basically going to end up bankrupt. I suppose you could say mm-hmm. the concept was right, but it just he wanted he kind of his idea was me to do all the work, and then he was um, going to reap the rewards. And then my then my rent to him once it was all done was going to be twenty five percent of the turnover and things like that. So it ended up being like, whoa, hang on a minute here. This isn't going to work. But I was young and, you know, was I mid, late 20s, late 20s? Yep. And I was like, oh, just, yeah, I'm ready for this. I want, I yeah. want my own business and stuff like that. So, and then at the time, I think um, I'd been told about this old hospital at Wellington. And now the saga begins. Yeah, which was Hermitage Hill and um, d- drove up there for a weekend to have a look at it because Ray and Debbie Bell at the time had taken that hospital on and sorted it back out and got it back to, it, back to its former glory in mm-hmm. regards to restaurant accommodation function centre. 
So we went there, we spent the weekend with them, spent the weekend there with them, and then they sort of said, look, guys, we, we actually want to sell the business. Um, is it doable? And then we looked at what we were doing in Juneau uh, versus, versus Wellington, decided to invest in that, and um, came to Wellington. That's how I got in this area. That's how it happened from Morgan to here. So I packed up and moved. Um, Rusty was quite young. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edie was... Um, on her way, yep, yep. <laughs> Literally, like I think, um, you know, she was only a few months off being born um, and moved up. So that would have been a big move and a huge gamble for you, know, massive, you massive. young family. Yeah. So was that probably the first real instance of you backing yourself? Yeah, I think so. I think it was probably, you know, um, I used to back myself going into job interviews and things like that. There wasn't really a job interview that I went into where I thought, I won't, I, I, I won't get this job. It's a bit different with someone else's money, but... Hundred percent. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is kind of this is kind of I guess part of where we're going with this because I invested quite a bit of money into this business and the overheads were quite astronomical. Mm. I had no idea about hospitality. Um, I had to hire chefs and all that sort of stuff. I did I did what I had to do, but um, four years there, um, literally wondering some weeks whether I'd be able to have enough money to feed the family. Um, it was tough, man. It was. It was hard work. I remember sitting, I was fairly isolated too because, you know, you work so hard. You didn't have time for your friends or to, to do things. The gym was kind of out the window, everything, because I was working seven days a week because if, if you didn't work, you had to pay someone else. And if you had to pay someone else, you had no money. So it was a, it was a tough game. I remember our electricity bills there were like, you know, ten to 15000 a quarter. Wow. Stuff like that. So wow. that's without even what, the rent that we paid and stuff. So anyway, it was one of those learning experiences once again – Work ethic, but I, I realized then that when you're in business, if you are the business, that it makes it very difficult for you to, to make money and, and to have a life. You can't do mm. both. So, hospitality is a bit like that, and a lot of people in hospitality know that. Um, so, um, decided to sell it, and mm-hmm. this is where, like, I already lost money in June. I probably lost about 50 grand there. So, then we sold Hermitage and I lost about 150 grand there. Ooh. Um, so, yeah, we're already up to 200 if we keep a tally. Um, so, but the decision to get out of there was the best one because I'd not long open mass. And um, obviously, I had a plan, I had a plan B. Um, so, um, so I was running mass and that at the same time. We're doing weddings and stuff like that. I was driving backwards and forwards. It was pretty hectic. You've been spread very thin. Yeah, but I remember. Mass was an idea that came to me. A mate of mine had the Wagga store, and at the time, it was kind of like they were popping up everywhere, these mass stores. And I'm like, hang on, Dubbo does not have a supplement store. Like, there's an opportunity here. Mm. So I come over and looked at buildings and stuff like that. I sussed it out, and then I went through the procedure of, of doing it. So you've got to remember, at this time, I was struggling to make money at Hermitage. So I went to my business banker and presented a, a proposal to him, like a business plan, mm. and said, I want to open a supplement store. How do you reckon that went down? Yeah, like a lead balloon. <laughs> what what year are we talking at this stage? This would have been two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. I think yep. it was. Yeah. Yep. So um, somewhere. Oh no, maybe maybe a bit later. Actually, where are we up to? No, it would have been two thousand and twelve, two thousand and thirteen. Sorry, yeah, two thousand and ten so was when I was at just on the cusp of sort of. Yeah, yeah, yep. the industry and stuff was was starting to take off. So um, anyway, I, I I asked him for a small loan. It wasn't a massive loan to do the business, but. He backed me. Um, mm. the, young, the business banker backed me because he could see how passionate I was about And he, he actually seen how the idea could work as well. So then we opened Dubbo. Uh, I opened Dubbo and um, I'll never forget the first day sitting in the shop. I didn't know anyone in Dubbo because I was in Wellington, you know. I was like, is anyone even going to come in? 
like, <laughs> I have all this product, and I'm like, how do people even know I'm here? And you're in a different location then too, were you? Or yeah, so location? about five stores down from where yep. where I am now. Yep. So, but the first few customers come in and bought up some nutrition. Um, I'll never forget it. And it just kind of went from there. And then we sort of just started to get our groove. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't make money in business for the first six to 12 months. And that wasn't, I knew that I was going to have to work hard. Um, and obviously then, then that just gave me the opportunity to build mass from there. And obviously just, all, all I did was basically I thought, you know what, everyone that comes in the door, I'm just going to make sure that, you know, I, I give a shit about them. Exactly, which is still transcends even now. And, and I think that's the most important thing because it's like if you come in to, 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 our, to our business and you're, you're wanting to lose weight, well, I care. I want, I want to help you lose weight. So what can we do to make that happen? Sometimes it's not just a supplement. Sometimes it's a conversation. Sometimes it's, it's helping you with your food. Sometimes it's like motivating you to, or, or, or saying the right things, you know? Sometimes it's not about what you sell them. It's about what you don't sell them. Correct. And I've done that a few times. Mm-hmm. I've done that a few times. We're, not a, we're a small community and, and I don't want people coming coming in here and walking out with hundreds of dollars of product when they, when they don't need it. Yeah. Like, what, 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 what purpose does that serve? Mm. I'd much rather that person um, get the necessary things they needed that particular day um, and then, who knows, their journey, they become a customer for life. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So... And also their, their success sort of shapes your success 100%, as well. 100%, yeah. It's, it's, it's just a matter of, um, you know, uh, it's, uh, like I've said a hundred times before, sales in, 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 in is, is problems and solutions. So you come in, you've got a problem, let me help you give a solution. And then obviously the transaction takes place. Um, but yeah, so the, the store was, oh, I still love it, man. I still get butterflies when I walk in here in the mornings, like I can't explain it. Like I walk in here when you've created something from nothing mm-hmm. and you had nothing. It's, it, it's something that I, I, I just, I just cannot express to people. Like all I will say is if you have an idea and you think you can make it work, then fucking do it. Just fucking send it. Just do it. Like just, you got nothing to lose. Like money is money. I've lost money. Like it, you still end up okay. You know, you know, like, it's, it's okay and I, I, there are moments and, you know, people talk about gratitude and I walk mm-hmm. into my store and I smile and I have that little moment of, of appreciation because I'm like, oh, I, you know, I did this. I backed mm. myself to do this and then it led into Bendigo, opening Bendigo. Fantastic um, store you got down there as well. Great store. I've got awesome, awesome staff down there. I'm mm-hmm. so blessed. Um, tried my hand at having the Wagga store. Mm-hmm. No good. Mm-hmm. So there's another 100 grand. Um, so now we're at what are we at now? Two hundred. So we're at three hundred. I'm in the hole. Yep, yep. So or at least probably close to the four now. Yeah, yeah. So who's um, counting? Yeah, only when I bring it up now do I start to feel like <laughs> I can see you starting to oh sweat. God, there and how many, the down. how many fucking houses could I have? My god. Anyway, um, but it once again, callous of the mind. Exactly. I love that you brought that up. It, it's if anyone hasn't. Um, listened to or read that book yet it's it, it oh. really speaks to you i'm only like halfway yeah. through and it's it's yeah. like in the way it's recorded on audible is amazing yeah. he's he's a he's a hell of a man oh this david goggins like you know he's he's done everything he's been a power lifter he's an ultra marathon he's been a navy seal yep um been an abused child he went through the navy seals how many times three times the training went through hell week three crazy times. crazy yeah um and yeah it's a motivational speaker without being a motivational speaker I think, um, I, think, I think that's what we look for in life. And, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to pretend that I could be a good life coach or anything like that. But holy shit, I've had more kicks in the teeth. Than, that's what it's about sometimes. You, know? you yeah. don't want to be inspired by the person who you know, just tried once and succeeded. Yeah. It's more the people that, you know, it's a, 
relentlessness, not giving up, yeah. pushing through, and even yeah. you know, you know, I I failed doing that. So here's how I got past this that. What I learned exactly. Yeah, and then you let somebody if somebody else has walked that path, you kind of and you can and you can go behind them and they can send you on the other path. They can clear the path for you, really blaze yeah. trailblazing for you, really. Yeah, and I, I don't want to sound wanky, but man, like too late. It's been. <laughs> That started back in season one. Um, I don't want to see. I'm like, you know, but like, it's resiliency is a tough thing, man. And like, I'm telling you now that um, I'm guilty of it with my kids. We kind of got to, we kind of got to, we got, we do have to make them resilient. We got, mm. you know, my resiliency. I, I like, I know, I know what I can take. I think one of the most important things you can give a child, yeah. your own child, is a thick skin. Thick skin, yeah. Like I know that probably sounds a bit, you know, how you're going. No, but I don't. I don't mean you no. give them a hard time, but you make them, you know. There's going to be barbs. They've yeah. got to have, and they've got to be able to laugh at themselves. You've got to be able to take criticism. You've got to be able to give it. Yeah. And a thick skin is something that you got to be able to impart on a child. If your boss tells you that you didn't sweep the floor mm. in the right manner, yeah. don't sulk about it. Yeah. Just go. No worries. All right. How do I do it better? Exactly. Like that's the problem now. Is like people. Are like, oh well, I shouldn't even have to sweep the floor. Exactly. It's like, come on. Like let's let's just go back to the basics. Like we've all. You'll be the same, mate. We've all done. I've cleaned toilets. I've mm-hmm. you know put. You know I've done all the shit jobs. I still still would do it. Who mm-hmm. cares? Who cares what the job is? There's no job beneath anybody. That's exactly it. Especially like. when you're feeding your family, man. That's if you, what it comes to. You've got to be able to provide that money, bring that money in. Yeah, like if you if you're the cleaner at the, at the local, uh, you're a janitor or somebody like that, man. You're still you're still an important person. You, you've exactly. got you're putting you're putting food on your family's table, and that's what it's all about. Exactly. It doesn't matter how you do it, as long as exactly. you do it. So um, the mass, it's 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 been your passion. Oh, you've been chasing yeah. a dream. Hundred percent. I live it and breathe it. I love the brand. The brand is. You um, believe in the brand. I believe in it. Yeah. I. I've been. Um. You know. We were. We were at one stage when I first got involved in Mass. We were fifty deep. There's fifty mm. stores in Australia. Fifty mm. Mass nutrition stores in Australia. Um. A lot went south really quickly. The CEO. Too big, too fast. Yeah, it was too big, too fast, and he liked the he liked the glass pipe a little bit too much. That'll do it. Um, I'm not sure where he is, the CEO, CEO, but he he was he was a big up and comer in the fitness industry. He was a super switched on guy. He formulated products. He was uh, leading leading the front with nutrition and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But he um, had a lot of personal issues, and um, drug addiction was one of them. And yep, yep. Uh, the company kind of went to shit a fair bit, and then um, uh, we sort of dropped stores here and there, and. Things would shave off. 50, 50 stores deep. That's crazy. So man. how many is left running now? Are that fifty? It's three, three, and I own two of them. <laughs> so, so yeah. So um, he kind of got out and stuff. And then um, there was another guy, Kurt, who was left at the helm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he contacted myself one day and was like, he contacted another guy as well, and he said, "Let's catch up. I want to talk to you guys because you guys run good shows." And he offered us the opportunity to buy into Mass Nutrition Australia, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, long story short, business partners don't work. <laughs> I don't care. Um, I don't care who you are. They they rarely do. Honestly, they rarely do. I don't care if it's your best mate. Like they rarely do. Mm-hmm. There's always a clash somewhere along the lines, or some something always happens. And um, it's like housemates. Yeah, I believe the only business partners in life are your partners. Exactly. As in. Your part, your significant mm. other, mm-hmm. um, because you can do things together and stuff. Even that doesn't work out. I know mm. what that's like too, but it's still it still can be. That's that's the approach you got to have. Anyway, so um, one business partner didn't like the fact that I questioned him quite a bit on his decisions. Um, he asked if I could be removed from the company, which I agreed to. 
Um, I was waiting to get my investment back. I didn't get my investment back. He decided it was too hard and he didn't want the company anymore. He handballed it to me. Um, and I'm going to, I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to say it. There was 300 bucks in the bank account. Mm. It was about 150K in the hole. So you sort of hit rock bottom at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. But let's, I don't know, this is completely off script. But yeah. This is probably going to be rather raw. But yeah. you, you've hit rock bottom at this stage. What, this is about four years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably three, four years ago, something like so, that. So, yeah. you know, the other things at this stage, you've hit rock bottom business wise, but, yeah. you know, in your personal life as well. Like I was going through well, yeah, a lot the of things. Breakup and stuff. A lot yeah, of things. Well. So, you know, yeah. You've got down where you just can't go any lower, yeah. And you know, either one of two ways out. You know, either you take the a way yep. out or you rise up, yeah. And, and you buckle down, mate. Nothing, nothing gets you out of trouble more than work. Exactly. Work, 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 work. Exactly. So, so yeah, it was it was one of those situations where did it beat me up? Oh shit, yeah. Mm. Like, you know, there are there are a lot of times when I I, I questioned everything, and I, like I was, you know, there's many tears shed. I'm Doesn't not afraid to say I cried. And yeah. I, you know, it was it, it was tough, but at the end of the day, with the business stuff, I knew that like I knew that I I'd be okay. It was I just when you've been through shit. And you've come out the other side. You always know you'll be okay. Yeah. This too shall pass. Yeah. That's a quote that I live by. This too shall pass. So you're having a rough time. This too shall pass. Mm. So like it's just a matter of being able to 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 see that. And I think like it's okay to be sad. Mm. It's okay to cry. It's okay to sit in that moment for a week, two days, whatever you need. But at some stage, you got to get the fuck up. You hit that point where you know yeah you. You have all your emotions, all your doubt, self doubt. Yeah. You shove it all in a box, yeah, and you'll open that box up. Especially yeah. as a as you know a, a business owner, a father, ever, a man, everything as well. And you open that box up, and you allow those emotions to come out. Yeah. You might be in the shower, you might cry in the shower, but yeah. you, it's okay. You front it's okay. up. You front up, and then you close that box down, yeah. and you seal that motherfucker up tight. Yeah. And you get on with life. You do. and, and, and Until you open it up again. You know, and I want to give a young guy a shout out, Roel, my mm-hmm. mate Rowie. Um, he lives in Queensland now and he and I are still the best of mates. But um, he he was there through all this mm. and um, he supported me so much that um, I'm forever grateful and forever in his debt. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't things that he did. It was just the fact that he was there. That's what it is. It's, it's so, people being there and not even... Yeah, and like, he's seen those raw moments and he's seen, you know, I was able to talk to him about everything. Mm. Um, and he was going through a rough patch at the time too. And we both competed together uh, as a distraction. And I will say it was a distraction. Um, so, you know, because as males, I think a lot of the times um, we go through things initially like, yeah, we'll be right, we'll be right, we'll mm. be right. Six Band months aid. later, Band six aid. months later, whack. Yep. Oof, there it is. Whereas... You know, you, you don't deal with it at the time, and and that's the thing. You just push it to the side. So and while was, you are going through tough times, you want to feel you're good at something. Ha- absolutely, you got. You still need to be a man. You still, you need, still to, need to have you know, that outlet. Hundred percent. So, um, so that was kind of yeah. That was an interesting period. And so it turns out when I got the company back, I was like, I got two options here. I can. I, I got to fight the fight, mm. or I or I lose mass. The thing that I love the most. So I fought the fight, um, and. For many months, I scraped dollars together, money together to pay debts. Mm. Um, for example, I got a phone call one day from a travel agency. Uh, you owe us $2,000. And I said, well, interesting. Matt, what do you mean? Mass Australia owes us $2,000. Okay, no worries. 
looking at I look in zero in the debitors and stuff like that. Debitors and creditors, it's not in there. Mm. So these are surprises that I had to They're come coming across. out of nowhere. Oh, yep. Um, we ran a challenge a few years ago, and this person won a two thousand dollar travel voucher, and no one ever. So I was going backwards and forwards with the other business partners trying to figure it out. Um, the one who wiped his hands of the business wiped his hands of this as well, um, which was typical. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I was like, well, if I don't pay this this two thousand dollars, this client or this customer doesn't get to do their travel. Therefore, they're gonna they're probably gonna take us to Department of Fair Trading, yeah. or they're probably gonna badmouth us on social media. So. Mate, I come up with the two K and I paid the bill, and they deserve what they've got, you know, sort of thing. So, well, it's not their fault. No, exactly. You know, and as much as it sucks for me, I'd I'd, I'd pay the two thousand dollars. But you know, and what? the day it falls on you, doesn't it? Hundred percent. There's no, there is no one. I couldn't look left and I couldn't look right. There was no one to look at. <laughs> Does that make sense? So I had to had to had to do it myself. And that that was just that was just one of a few things. You know, like there was there was letters turning up all the time, and like I'd I'd take. I'd take five steps forward and mm-hmm. I'd, I'd get shoved back six mm. and I'd be like, Phew. but you know what? It's all sorted now. Um, it's, 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 it's mine. Mm-hmm. Mass is mine. So you are mass. I am mass and I'm, and I'm damn proud of it. Funny, funnily enough, I never thought back in 2012, 2013, I was this little bloke from Wello starting out, you know, and here I am with my hands on it. Even though it's not what it was, it still means something to me. Mm. Um, and the business still means something to me and what we give to people means something to me and it always will. So will we will we grow again? I hope so. One day, I hope so. But to be honest, I'm not, I'm not too concerned. I'm happy with my stores. I'm happy with the website. I'm happy with all those sort of things. Um, you know, at the end of the day, mate, like sometimes less is more. Exactly. And... You know, you got some pretty fantastic mathletes there too, haven't you? I do, including the one sitting at the end of the table um, <laughs> named Adam McInerney. Yeah, look at him, look at him. <laughs> That's it though. We, 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 we have a family. Mass is a family. Like we, we created we – got, we've got our athletes who we support and stuff and we, we, we support you guys because we want you guys to do well in your endeavours. Like, you know, it's, it's cool. It's a business, but it's more than that. It is. It is. We're it's, a drop-in centre, mate. People come in every day just to talk about their problems or their mm-hmm. issues, or you know. Sometimes I feel like I'm a, I feel like a hairdresser. I don't know, yeah. like, but you know, that's what we are. We're more than just a supplement store. We're, a we're a place. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And I think that that's what I love about it. I love being able to be people, be influential in people's lives, and do the things that you know, and and actually, you know. Put people first, I guess, which is something you can't do in a jewelry shop or a you know no. a clothing store or or something. So you know, every day people come in to proud to, to to boast of their bench press achievements or mm-hmm. their or they've lost five kilos or just little things like. And you know, I've seen that raw emotion in people. I've seen yeah. seen people cry on the body scanner. You know, like yeah. when they've lost ten kilos yeah. and they're, and they're emotional. And that's the shit that means something to me. So yeah, th- this is your passion. This is what drives you, and this is it, mate. This is this is this is this is where I, I was meant to be. I reckon. Well, that's fantastic. So, so, who knows what the future holds in the industry and stuff like that? But um, the funny thing is, too, you know, after going through you know a divorce and all those sort of things, and and knowing you know, and obviously you know you've got to settle on money and all that sort of stuff. So <laughs> I won't add that one to the list. But you know, like it's I've lost a lot of money over the years, but I'm still okay. Um, you know, is you just gotta, you've just gotta keep going. Like, and the key is turning up. I think I, I honestly believe if I had to quit on one thing, I mm-hmm. would have quit on everything. That's the thing. You're turning up, and you just got to be the hardest worker in the room. Yeah, absolutely. But even that, even that, that's even overrated sometimes. It is like, like the hardest worker in the room. What 
what, when you, what about when you're not in the room? Correct. It's yes. about turning up and being accountable. It's the same as bodybuilding. Like you can you can be the hardest working bodybuilder mm. and still lose. Exactly. Because bodybuilding isn't just about how hard you work. It's about the, the body you present, like the discipline, like mm. the, all that sort of stuff. But it's like somebody could work 10 times smarter than you like smarter not harder is like my coach who coaches me he's his motto is diet smarter not harder mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i hate the word diet but it's, he's, he's right you know diet smarter not harder like it's simple um we don't have to kill ourselves as much we do like to get in condition like that yeah. last bit but it's just like you know you, yeah i don't know mate so we've dealt through it from the start to where we currently are so that brings us up to 2021 2021 yep it's where we're at now, so I suppose we could just move on to a few of these other questions I've got for you. Go, yeah, yep. Right, so what, these are just quick questions, yep. what drives you? My family, mate, every day. Yep. Yep. What about growing up role models? My grandfather mm-hmm. and uh, Mark mm-hmm. and Sonny Bill Williams. <laughs> I just no, I just wanted to throw that in there because I man crush on him hard, but that's I'm I'm actually I'm actually I'm I'm joking, but yeah, um, I, I really would say those two guys are, are, are the ones that really sort of meant the most to me, I guess. Um, and what about currently still same role models now? Because they do yeah. alter a little bit over time. Like you always they, pick up a bit of someone from somewhere else. Yeah, they do. I um, yeah. I, look, I. There's a few bodybuilders that I really admire. Mm-hmm. One of them took his life last year, actually, which was quite sad. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was somebody I used to listen to on podcasts and things like that regularly and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I don't know, mate. Like, I guess, yeah, I, I, it's still they're probably still the same role models. I, I kind of, um, I don't have any necessarily one or, or, or any. I, I admire a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people... You take um, a little bit from someone. Yeah, there's somebody tomorrow I might meet. I'm like, whoa. Mm. That's inspirational, you know. So, um, what shaped you? That early childhood, that <sighs> young adolescent life, really. There's a, there's a few things. I think, I think definitely my childhood. Um, my stepdad. I'm going to say him because, to be honest, um, love it or hate it, he shaped me. Um, and definitely um, the school teacher scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally meeting Bree. Yeah. All right. So what are the Dave Hughes pillars of success? <laughs> Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. And, uh, you know, the sun is always going to rise, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your biggest defeat and your biggest win? Biggest defeat. Oh. I don't know. Best. My best win... I'll, let's if if I talk about sport and bodybuilding, I'll, I'll say my biggest defeat was back in 2012. I made my IFBB debut. Yep, and I was average to say the best. Um, a photo was put online of the guys who who were in the top three, and I, you could see me in the background. And somebody commented on that Facebook photo and said, "Did old mate even get ready for that show?" <laughs> um, uh, so that was a pretty big kick in the nuts, man. I can tell you now because I did I did get ready for that show, yep. um, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't presenting the physique that an IFBB athlete needed. But mate, did I quit? Fuck no. Sometimes you need that kick in the balls, don't you? So, and my, 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 my greatest victory in bodybuilding would have to be when I top fived at the Arnold's a few years back in a lineup that was heavily stacked. Look, I, I went there thinking, I'm going to get my ass absolutely smoked. Mm. And then, yeah, to make the top five in that, it was that's that's been a great achievement. And 
Yeah, I hope there's still something left. Oh, there is. So, the sun has not set yet. So, um, but yeah, but my biggest wins outside of that, um, definitely my chi- my kids, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know, mate. Like just just creating experiences with my family and doing things with them. That's so. what it comes down to in the end, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what what does the future hold for Dave Hughes and Mass? Um, to be honest, no, like I'd love to grow the grow the business back into something that's um, once again well known. It used to go to a bodybuilding show and there was a sea of mass nutrition shirts mm. in the crowd. I don't know. For now, mate, I just enjoy what I can do locally, what Bendigo can offer, what the website can do, stuff like that. But I would love to see mass start to another another few stores pop up here and there. Mm-hmm. Maybe go into sort of some. Uh, putting programs together around one of the ideas I've always wanted to do was work with you know kids who have probably had it a bit rougher than than most, uh, and you know because as you're growing up as a kid you get you, you, a lot of kids think oh, their way out is sport. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what about the gym? What about what about learning about food, nutrition, training, all that sort of stuff? And what about a job in the fitness industry? What about um, you know creating your own vibe in that regard? You don't have to be a bodybuilder, but you know these young kids might want to become personal trainers or carving at your own. Yeah, age. yeah. So that's something I'm passionate about. Something I wouldn't mind putting together as a structure or some some sort of um, scenario. So, but anyway, I'm, as far as mass goes, mate, I'm just happy turning up and seeing everyone every day. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. We're happy to have you around. Oh, yeah. All right, fast five for Dave. Oh, shit, bro. Are you ready? Give it to me. All right, okay. Who's your favourite superhero? Iron Man. Iron Man? Yeah. You know why? Because he's... he's Made of iron? No, because of his charisma, mate. Right, okay. I I love it. Jeez, jeez, that's... that's, All right, okay. Who's the most interesting person you've ever met? Ooh. I'm going to say my son, Rusty. I thought you were going to say yourself. So no, Rusty, Rusty. Yeah, yeah. No, no, like he is the most interesting person I've ever met. I called him last week. He was at home sick, and I called him to check in on him. And I said, "How are you going, mate?" And he filled me in how um, Abraham Lincoln actually created, created the rear Nelson choke. <laughs> um, he, he is the most interesting person I've ever met. That's fantastic. I love, I love he's my son, and can't wait to see the future holds for him as well. <laughs> exactly. What's your favourite holiday destination? Uh, ooh. I don't have a favourite. I've been through Europe. I've been to America. Um, I love Queensland. I don't really have one. Really? Yeah. You just I, you just love to work. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind. I, I don't know this. I wouldn't mind going to Hawaii, actually. Yeah. I wouldn't I, mind I, checking it out. I recommend it. Uh, what do you do in your spare time? Um, uh, catch up. Catch up. By the lawn. Yep. <laughs> nah. You don't actually know what spare time I, is, do you? No, nah, I love a good I love I love a good T V series or a movie. Um, you know, Brie and I like to spend a bit of time watching watching uh, Netflix or whatever. We just finished watching Mayans on binge. Telling you, it's a, season three comes out. I know. We, we actually watched the end of season two, and then she looked at me and goes, "There is no season three on here yet." And yep. I was like, "16th comes like, out. We're done." Oh, okay. on binge or, or uh, it's just yeah, come out in America? We'll be, we'll be coming out on binge. I actually got that from Gilly himself last week. Oh yeah, because you know one of the guys on the yeah. actual show, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you know Gilly. Yeah, yeah, Gilly. He's the one with the cool hair, isn't he? He's the big one. Big one. Big yeah. round, the big sort of round yeah. one. Yeah, yep. yeah. Big jaw on him. Wow, awesome. Okay, so, okay, last two questions, but yep. I'm going to turn it into one question. What would be the hardest thing for you to give up and what would be the easiest thing for you to give up? Oh, the hardest thing to give up would be the gym, mm-hmm. I reckon. The easiest thing to give up would be... Oh, I don't know, mate. 
would be the easiest thing for me to give up. Your chronic masturbation habits? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I've given those up. Oh, see. Yeah. I'm in a loving relationship. Personally, I could say the easiest <laughs> thing for you to give up would be your Robocop arm. Yes. Yes, Done. absolutely. Sorry, I didn't even think about that. To be honest, I forgot about that. We don't even... That's another little kick in the ass issue, but anyway, <laughs> just just go injure yourself and put six months behind on the bodybuilding. Anyway, four weeks out from a comp. You well, know. again, it's knowing all about another life experience and being able to bounce yeah. back from that. Well, see, see, I've become that accustomed to the Robocop arm. I forgot it was even on. It's me. just part of you. Yeah, it's become me. <laughs> you are a Robocop. <laughs> well, that concludes our fast five. Uh, awesome, awesome. Well, thanks, mate. I um I appreciate us going into a bit of depth today and stuff. Um, probably have dragged on a little bit, but look. You know, it's good to be able to talk about all these things, and somebody hope somebody gets something out of it, and you know, they they can they can pursue their their goals and their dreams. I guess I think for sure there's something for something in there for someone to unpack, and if it only touches one person, yeah, it's done well. We reached out and we grabbed them. That's it, grabbed them right <laughs> by the dick. <laughs> oh, shit, we didn't. I hope. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Well, thank you again for tuning into the Mass Effect episode number three, season number two. Thank you, Adam, for. Um, jumping on the other end and um, you know pushing me through and giving me the giving me the push I needed. I'm he, always happy to jump on your other end, Dave, <laughs> and, and push on through you. He has been saying for ages one of the episodes should be about you, big guy. Like, what? Why don't you do it? So, uh, no better man. I'd rather be interviewed by. Um, we we will be back again, um, hopefully with Jed Stunt on the other end. And um, we've got another couple of guests lined up coming in as well. Um, we've got some really cool, really cool topics coming up. Um, I won't say who the next guest is, but I have spoken to him and he's very keen to talk. And it is, it's going to be very unique, this one. Is it Sonny Bill Williams? Uh, no, because it's not he. Oh, shit. <laughs> Wish it was. <laughs> except they probably wouldn't be able to get him to Dubbo. I don't know how I'd go doing that. Oh, so, that's it, that's it. Um, but yeah, so thanks again, guys. The Mass Effect. Follow us on Instagram at the Mass Effect. Follow Adam. How do you? What's your What's your Insta again? I like to lift heavy stuff. That's There's a few it. underscores in that in there. Mine's Dave Double Underscore Hughes, not Dave the comedian Hughes, as Adam <laughs> as Adam portrays. Uh, throw him a like, but he can um, use all the likes he can get. I still get tagged in his shit. And it still <laughs> makes me laugh. Someone's like, "Oh, he tagged me in an art picture or something." My mate, you know, I got a DM once about donating to a charity, and I was like, "I think that's the wrong Dave." Um, anyway, I politely. Digress. I replied, yeah. and I, you know, let them know they had the wrong day. Thanks, guys. Catch you later.